Jesus, we are so thankful for what you've done for us, Lord. And we just have a desire to boast for you, Lord. We ask that um, as this week goes on, that we would just continue to boast in you, that people wouldn't be able to stop us, that the words on our mouths would just be so glorifying to you, and it would be um, just from a heavenly realm, that it would be separated from this earth. God, we thank you so much, and we ask that the words that you give Johnny to speak today would just minister in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. It's such a blessing to have the praise band with us this morning, isn't it? I just think, let's just thank them. It's a blessing. I had I had a few of those uh, those kids, young adults, in the youth group when I was leading the youth group at Living Word, and it's just a, such a blessing to see, you know, as they came, as Brooke and Josiah and Mark came into the youth group a number of years ago, just clueless and um, afraid. It's just great to know and see them now leading and serving us as we worship the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Okay, on your seats, you are looking at a why and how we fast sheet. And so we are, we are entering into our every year at the beginning of the year, Mercy Hill, Living Word, and Cross Point. We take a week and we just, we have a week of prayer and fasting and just waiting on the Lord. And so we've got meetings planned at Mercy Hill, not this location, but the location that is on Indianapolis Boulevard. And so we'll be meeting there Monday and Friday. Then on Wednesday, we'll be meeting at Living Word Church with all the other churches. And so I won't this morning, I will not be talking about fasting this, this morning, but this sheet will give you all the information that you will need to know on fasting. And so read this sheet, take it home with you, ask the Lord what, he'd, what he would have you to do. And really, don't wake up tomorrow morning and say, oh, I should probably fast from something. Well, maybe, I, I don't know. Today, ask the Lord what he would have you to do. And take this seriously. This is something that we've, we find is so important and so neglected at the same time. And so let, let, let's take this very seriously. So we look through this, take this home. If you need other sheets, uh, Jane will email these out as an attachment along with the weekly announcements in case you, you do need one. But what I want to talk about this morning is prayer. And we talk a lot about prayer in this church. We, we find prayer is such a necessity for us. Sometimes we, we approach prayer like uh, maybe something good to do, like working out where we think it's good and we'll maybe make time to do it. And if we get around to it, we'll do it. But for us as a church, for us as God's people, prayer is an absolute necessity. And I would even go as far to say is that we will not see any spiritual growth in your life apart from the means of prayer being one of those crucial means. It is so important for us as God's people. I cannot stress enough. We're taking a week to pray and fast. This needs to be a lifestyle. This is just hopefully getting a kickstart into the rest of a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. It is important for us. And not only that, but as God's church, as God's people, God is calling us 
to be a church. He says, I want your church to be known as a house of prayer. That people would know this place. I know that church. That church is a praying church. That should be said of every church across the globe for all time. That his house, that God's house, that God's body would be known as a house of prayer. This is, this is important for us. So I'm going to pray and just ask the Lord to be with us as we get into his word and we look at some things about prayer, why it's important for us, how we begin to do this in our lives. And so, Lord, we, we come before you this morning. And, God, we recognize our great need for you. And, Lord, as we sang this morning, we thank you that you came and that you met us. That you didn't wait for us to run to you or that you first met us. Even while we were dead in our sins and trespasses, you took hold of us. And Lord, we thank you for that. And God, as we dig into your words this morning, we ask, Lord, that you would change our hearts, that we would see Jesus more clearly, that we would understand your word. Give Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Lord, we pray for the gift of faith. That as we receive your word, that we would receive it with faith. And this would affect and change all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start off by reading an article out of Christianity Today. As we begin to talk about prayer. And I want us to see not just the how we pray, why we pray, but really the foundation of our prayer life. And this is a story of Christianity Today. It was written back in um, 2010. And the article is called Abba Changes Everything. The creepiest sound I've ever heard was nothing at all. My wife Maria and I stood in the hallway of an orphanage somewhere in the former Soviet Union on the first of two trips required for our petition to adopt. The orphanage staff led us down a hallway to greet two one-year-olds we hoped would become our sons. The horror wasn't the squalor and the stench, although we at times stifled the urge to vomit and weep. The horror was the quiet of it all. The place was more silent than a funeral home by night. I stopped and pulled on Maria's elbow. Why is this so quiet? This place is filled with babies. Both of us compared the stillness with the buzz and the punctuated squeals that came from our church nursery back home. Here, if we listened carefully enough, we could hear babies rocking themselves back and forth, the crib slats gently bumping against the walls. These children did not cry because infants eventually learn to stop crying if no one ever responds to their calls for food, for comfort, for love. And no one ever responded to these children. So they stopped. The silence continued as we entered the boy's room. Little Sergi, now Timothy, smiled at us, dancing up and down while holding the side of his crib. Little Maxim, now Benjamin, stood straight at attention, regal and czar-like. But neither boy made a sound. We read them books filled with the words they couldn't understand. 
about saying goodnight to the moon and cows jumping over the same. But there were no cries, no squeals, no groans. And every day we left at the appointed time in the same way we had entered, in silence. On the last day of the trip, Maria and I arrived at the moment we had dreaded since the minute we received our adoption referral. We had to tell the boys goodbye, as by law we had to return to the United States and wait for the legal paperwork to be completed before returning to pick them up for good. After hugging and kissing them, we walked out into the quiet hallway as Maria shook with tears. And that's when we heard the scream. Little Maxim fell back in his crib and let out a guttural yell. It seemed that he knew, maybe for the first time, that he would be heard. On some primal level, he knew he had a father and mother now. I will never forget how the hairs in my arms stood up as I heard the yell. I was struck, maybe for the first time, by the force of the Abba Cry passages in the New Testament, ones I had memorized in vacation Bible school. And I was surprised by how little I had gotten until now. Ephesians 1, 3 through 10 reads this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. The foundation of our understanding of prayer starts with the cross of Jesus Christ. Prayer is rooted in our very identity as children of Christ and of the Lord. So because of Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes because of Jesus. We're not who we once were because of Jesus. I want to just make a couple points on this passage. Number one, we are no longer orphans, that we are precious children of a kind and gracious Father. We've been brought into the family of God. Verse 5 says, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. Brian and Jaws and their process of adoption was a two-year process. It was very costly. It really took everything out of them that they had. But God for us, 
adopted us through the, through the cross and the suffering of Jesus Christ, taking our sins upon his body that cost Jesus his very life. Verse 4 reads, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, this wasn't a two-year process. This was a decision God made from eternity past to bring us into his family. He knew you before you were ever born. God knew you. He saw you. He says, I want, I want Matt. I want Michelle. I want Larry. I want them to be with me and to know me, to know my forgiveness and love. I want to adopt them into my family. This was a decision from eternity past. Not only that, but we are given new identity with the greatest family in the world. I want to read Revelation 7, 9 through 12 real quick. And this is the, this is the Apostle John getting a glimpse of heaven. And just for a moment, heaven is opened up. And he looks into the throne room of God. And this is what he sees. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is our new identity as God's children. That we have got a family like no other family. That we've got brothers and sisters across the world who we can join together with that one day we will be with. And this is people from every from all walks of life, from every, every economic spectrum. This has got everything involved. You may think your family's a little messed up. Maybe you see God's family. There's all kinds of messed up people, and it's for his glory that he meets us right where we're at, that even in our sin, even in our brokenness, even in our rebellion against God, he meets us right there. And he takes hold of our lives. And because of Jesus Christ, he brings forgiveness. And he beckons us to come to him and lay our lives down before him, turning from our sin and asking for that eternal life that he offers us today. This is our family. This is who we are. Number two, we also have a dad who listens. We have a dad who listens. John 14, 6. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father but through me. Romans 8, 27. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Jesus Christ has promised to go before us to the Father on our behalf. And it's this hope that we have, that the whole Trinity, the whole triune God is involved in this process, even when we pray. Jesus going before us, the Holy Spirit interceding through us, 
to the, to, to the Father for us. This is the whole, the whole Godhead is involved in this. As a parent, as a parent, I've learned this. That before, before I had kids, there could be a hundred kids in a room all crying. And I wouldn't know whose kid is whose or, or what kids are crying for what. I have no idea. As a parent, something happens in you where if your child's in the midst of a hundred kids crying and they're all saying different things and it's loud and it's out of control and it's chaos, you can pick your kid's voice out of that chaos. You know your child's voice. You know their cry. You know that's my son. And you hear and you know these other kids, but you can pick your, your son or daughter's voice out anytime, immediately. And I feel like it's the same way with us in the Lord. God is, God is omniscient. He knows all things. He hears, all, he hears everyone's voice everywhere all the time. But there's something about his children where he listens with a sympathetic ear. He says, that's my son. That's my daughter. I am listening. Wayne Grudem writes this in his book, Bible Doctrine. The only prayers God has promised to hear in the sense of listening with a sympathetic ear and undertaking to answer when they are made according to his will are the prayers of Christians offered through the one mediator, Jesus Christ. Because we just, we're just not a voice. In Jesus Christ, Jesus is going between us and the Father, making our prayer requests known to God. So, that is the foundation of why we can pray. It's because of Jesus, because of who we are in Christ, because of our adoption into the family of God, because God is now our Father. We are His children. We have a dad who listens. So why does God want us to pray? Why does God want us to pray? I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if God knows everything, we believe he does, then why would he want us to pray? Why not just kind of live life as, as is, God knowing everything that's going to happen and knows us and knows our thoughts and knows our desires and knows all these things. Why does God want us to pray? Jesus emphasized this in Matthew 6, 5 and 8. And Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to the Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. The Father knows. So why does God ask us to pray? Why does Christ say when you pray? Number one, it's about relationship. Jesus in the, in the Lord's Prayer starts off by saying, Our Father. Our Father. What a term to talk to God like, Our Father. It's a relationship. It's, it's amazing to think this is a relationship. It's our Father. It's not our buddy, our 
pal. It's not our boss. It's not our master. It's our father. That's how he starts off the prayer. Prayer for us is an exercise of faith. It's an expression of trust in God. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes this, prayer in many ways is the supreme expression of our faith in God. He says the supreme expression of our faith is prayer. And not only that, but it connects our lives back to God. One of the very things Jesus Christ accomplished for us on the cross is to be able to connect us to God. And we can do that through prayer every single day. When we think about reading a book, it's not just, we're just not just reading a book. We could be reading a book, but we, as, we, as we converse with the Father through that, we're having a dialogue with God. It's not just a car ride. It's an opportunity for fellowship with God. It's about connecting our lives, the busyness of our lives, and all the things we have going on in our life. We have an opportunity to connect that back to the Lord. And he hears our prayers. And it's an opportunity for us to grow deeper in relationship to God. Number two, why pray? Because we are poor in spirit, because we are so needy. We are needy. There was this, just this past week, I get home from work. This is, this is every, every day, but I was just thinking about this this week. I get home from work about 4, 35 o'clock, and I usually get home, and we hit, Michelle and I hit the ground running. Michelle's been doing this all day long. I only do this for a number of hours, but I get home. We got to start getting kids ready for dinner, start cleaning up, start, then start getting kids ready for bed and start brushing teeth and tucking kids in. And, and so it might be 930 by the time I actually sit down and kind of have like me time. Uh, hey, I want to read the newspaper or whatever. Hey, I'd like to go to the bathroom one of these days. It's just like, it's, it's, it's one of the, and I, this is week I'm reflecting like, man, it's 9.30. I got home at 4.30. It's been five hours of nonstop. Kids need everything. Diapers change and to be fed and, and to be comforted and to, to settle disagreements and to be an arbitrator between them and, and to disciple them and to discipline them and all these things that just needs are just piling on top. And finally at 9.30, I'm like, wow. I read the newspaper. And as I thought that, I felt the Lord say to me, you think your kids are needy? What about you? I felt like the Lord at that moment put his finger on me and says, you are needy. Your kids are nothing compared to the needs that you have. I thought he's right. My next breath comes from the Lord. My very breath is a gift from God. We are needy. We are needy people. When, we, when you consider your life the needs that we have, even health, even the opportunity to come to church, memory, the ability to read, all these things. These are a gift to us from God. Everything we do, our energy, everything we have is a gift to us from God. We are needy people. My kids have nothing compared to my needs before God. And when we, come, when we realize how desperate we really are, we can come to a place of total dependence upon God. When we recognize how needy we are, we're not just making this up. We're just recognizing what's true. This is the truth. We are needy. When we recognize that, it gives us a place of saying, God, now I can depend upon you because I'm not doing this in my own strength. This isn't my own ability here. 
It's in my own actions that are causing these things around me to happen. God, I know that you are giving me my very breath. My very life comes from you. And so it helps us to be able then to depend upon God even more. Only God can change our hearts or anyone else's. It's like that. It's like when we try to change someone else's heart, trying to manipulate situations, trying to do things to get people to, to do something else that we want them to do. Usually doesn't work out very well. But when we trust in God and ask him to change our heart and other people's hearts, the, the very thing that we're asking, God begins to do and do it in a way that we never thought or imagined it would work out this way. That's the goodness of God. Number three, so we, we pray because God asks us and brings us, invites us into relationship because we are poor and needy, but also because it allows us to be involved in kingdom work all over the world. And it allows us to be involved in kingdom work all over the world. I get a newsletter. I have cousins who are missionaries in the Philippines. And I just recently got a newsletter from my cousin. And in the Philippines, they've been, they've been there, I think, for eight years, faithfully serving in the missions field. They recently had a baptism service, and they baptized 30 people in, in their church. In a small, there's some, some remote village in this island somewhere in the Philippines. 30 people. And I thought, oh, Lord, how good it is. I've been praying for them. I've been calling upon you, asking, asking for this very thing to happen. And you would allow me in Highland, Indiana, to, to affect the ministry that's happening in the Philippines. People's lives who are being changed. What a privilege it is to be a part of kingdom work all over the world. What a privilege it is. God would allow it to include us. God doesn't need us to do that. He graciously invites us to do this, to participate in kingdom work. So as you pray for missionaries and the spread of the gospel all over the world, God's inviting us to, to be a part of what he's doing. And I even think about how we support missions, even in our own church. Some of us give, some of us go, but all of us are called to pray. All of us are. We've got a missions trip coming up where the three churches are going to, to Argentina. In going to Argentina, we all have the opportunity to go. I encourage you, if you're kind of thinking about it, I want to just encourage you, investigate, pray, ask the Lord for wisdom for that. And for, oh, it's Brazil, I'm sorry. We, keep, we always go to Argentina, now we're going to Brazil. But we also have an opportunity to give to this, to invest into this. But all of us are called to pray. And so we will be praying for this, this trip, for the spread of the gospel there. Number four, prayer is a means by which God chooses to change things. This is the vehicle by which God has chosen to change things. In Acts 4, the, the apostles had just recently been been told by the, the leaders of, of the Jewish community to not proclaim the name of Jesus any longer, to, to shut up and, and leave us alone. And so what the leaders did, what, what, what the apostles did, is they got together in a room, and they just came before God, said, God, here's what's going on. Here's what's happened. Would you please give us boldness? It says the place where they were at was shaken. 
And the Holy Spirit filled them. And it says they went and spoke the word of God with boldness. What a, how amazing is that? It wasn't this, it wasn't this long, drawn-out prayer. It was a simple 60-second prayer to the Lord. And God shows up and fills them with his spirit. And they go out and speak the word with great boldness. God chooses to use. In James 4, 2, James writes, You do not have because you do not ask. That's another way of saying you do have because you do ask. In Luke 11, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I think what, how gracious of God that he would allow us to ask and that he would move by that asking and grant us the very thing that he's, that we're asking for. So, we're going to, I just want to say a couple more things and then we're going we're gonna to pray together as a, as a church. But as I thought about this and in my own life, why, why don't I pray? We, we would all hear these things, what I just said, and we'd all agree, okay, we agree, this is good, this is important. But why is our prayer life so anemic? Why is it so half-hearted at times? I'm speaking of my own self here. I know these things. And yet, I can hear a sermon like this and prepare a sermon like this and just kind of go on, go on with my life. Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray more? Why don't we pray more fervently? Why don't we ask for more? And I, there's been a number of things that I thought, well, I'm too busy. I'm not disciplined enough. I don't see immediate answers. Wayne Grudem again writes this. If we were really convinced that prayer often changes the way God acts and that God does bring about remarkable changes in the world in response to prayer, as scripture repeatedly teaches that he does, then we would pray much more than we do. If we prayed little, it is probably because we do not really believe that prayer accomplishes much at all. And I would, I would encourage us to even search our own hearts. If we pray little, maybe our view of God is too little. Maybe we don't always believe that God is a mighty God, that God does hear our prayers, that through Jesus Christ we can enter the throne room of God, approach the Father, Maybe we don't believe that God really can, can do anything. Maybe our view of God is too small. If that is the case, we need God to do a heart change in us. We need Almighty God to come in and change our heart and open our eyes to see the glory and the beauty and the power of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. We don't need to just do more and pray more and read more Although that would be helpful, what we need is Almighty God to do a heart change inside of us that we would see the glory and the majesty of God. That's what we need. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here, but I want us to end in corporate prayer. And so if, if my dad and, and Brian and, and Todd would please come up, 
we're going to take a moment as a church and we're going to pray. And we're going to ask the Lord to be with us. And even this next week, this coming week, ask the Lord to empower us and strengthen us to do these things. And so sometimes when we pray as a church, I know we can zone out. Guys, don't zone out here. Let us engage in prayer. One way that's helpful is just as we're hearing the prayer, to agree with the prayer, amen, yes, Lord. It allows us to continue to stay engaged in this. And so I would encourage us, as we pray corporately, let us also in our seats, in our hearts, right where we're at, be in prayer as well. Father, we're thankful for um, calling us next week for a week of prayer and fasting, God. And Father, we thank you that as a church, you've called us to do this as a corporate body. And I pray, God, that um, even as we pray together, Lord, that we would be known as a, as a praying church, God, that this would be a house of prayer, God. And that even as in our, in our discussions and talks amongst each other, Lord, even as people bring maybe issues to us or problems or things in their life, Lord, may, maybe the first thing that comes out of our mouth be, let's pray about it. Let's go before the Lord with that. And I pray, God, next week, Lord, even as we pray together, they would be used as a springboard, God, for a praying life for all of us, Lord Jesus. That even as we pray next week and get together, Father, that we would, Lord, do that more often, God. Get, get together and pray together, Lord Jesus, in our own little homes and our own places, Lord Jesus. That, that we would use next week, Lord, as a springboard to pray more and to hear, you, hear your word, Lord, in our lives. In Jesus' name, God. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can come before you and pray, that you have brought us to that place by, your, by the cross, and that we can boast in your, in your death and your resurrection, Lord. Lord, and we want to, Lord, stir in us a, a desire to share that with other people, Lord, and a desire to pray for those people, Lord, for those people who do not know you, Lord, that we would have a desire in our heart, Lord, that we would come before you regularly, Lord, and just and lay them before you, Lord, and, and ask for you to move in their hearts, Lord, and then go out, Lord, and share the boast that we have in the cross, Lord, with them. Lord, being obedient to that, Lord, and just and that our lives would reflect that, Lord, that, that what we say and what we do would boast in you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray you give us an excitement, Lord, and, and a fresh faith for this week coming up. That, Lord, it wouldn't be out of obligation um, or out of a, the fact that, well, I have to do it because somebody may ask me what I'm praying about or Am I fasting or put anything aside this week to spend more time with you? Lord, I pray that some of that would take a second seat, Lord, to an excitement and a new fresh faith, Lord. Um, believing that, that, number one, you desire that relationship with us, Father. Number two, that prayer is effective as we bring things to you. Lord, it's your means, as John was talking about, Lord. And so I just pray that it seems odd that we're praying that you help us pray, Lord, but that's what we're doing. We're asking for your help that we as individuals, Lord, as a group of church, here uh, today, Lord, could do a much better job this week coming before you and praying. And as we do that, Lord, I pray that our faith would just increase, Lord. And though we, we pray even for uh, results of our prayer, Lord, that you would uh, be working and go ahead of us, Lord. And um, we bring things before you, Lord. We see change for your kingdom, not for any of our own glory or satisfaction, Lord, but for your glory and the furthering of your kingdom. Thank you. God, we, we pray that
that you would give us a desire to pray. God, that you would move upon us, that we would not be apathetic towards the call to pray. But Lord, give us responsive hearts. Give us a passion to pray. Give us a longing to pray. And Lord, we ask that you give us strength to pray. Lord, we thank you, God, that you invite us into fellowship with yourself. You've made a way for us to know you, to experience your grace, to grow in you. So, Lord, we come before you, and, Lord, we respond. God, we say yes, Lord. So, God, help us. Help us this week. Help us this morning. Change our hearts. Work upon us. Give us that love and that deeper fellowship with you. In Jesus' name. song I just want to give a quick testimony about that um I'm looking forward to this week mostly because um boldness is not my best thing I believe it or not don't like getting in front of people but um a couple well quite a few years ago now maybe 10 years ago I had been praying for a lady's salvation for years years and years her husband um played softball with my husband and I had done everything that I felt like the Lord asked me to do to help this lady I would babysit her little girl. I would, you know, do whatever. And every time I'd just be praying. But I never had the boldness to say anything to her. And then the week of prayer and fasting, um, the Lord just put her heavy on my heart. So I prayed for her the whole week. And there's something. I can't explain it. I don't know how to explain it. But when you combine fasting with prayer, the Lord does give you a boldness. And I think that power is just released in the heavenly realms that we don't understand. I, I can't explain it. But that week, I prayed for her all week, and then the Lord said, okay, now call her and tell her that you love her. Thank gosh, I don't, you know, and I normally just wouldn't do it. I would just pray and be like, oh, but next time I see her, I'll tell her. Well, I called her immediately, and there is something. The Lord gives you a boldness when you take that time to be disciplined and pray. And I called her, and I just said, I just, Krista, I just want you to know I love you. And she started crying, and she's like, Pam, I've been thinking all week that Jesus loves me. And I'm like, he does. And she, she got saved. And I wouldn't say everything's perfect in their lives or my life, but she loves the Lord and has for years now. And it was that one act of boldness. So I want to encourage you in this week of prayer and fasting to go into it with excitement for people that the Lord has already burdened you with, people that you already love, that you'd already like to see come to salvation. And I'm not saying they'll get saved this week, but it could be the first step. But it could be that they would get saved this week, that the Lord would give you a boldness to say just the right thing. I, I wouldn't normally tell her I love her, but that's what the Lord impressed upon me. And um, so I just want to encourage you to go into the week with an excitement that the Lord's going to use you and that that sacrifice of the TV or the computer or food is worth it, that something is broken in that heavenly realm. Amen. Thank you, Pam. We're just going to take a moment now, and Matt's going to come lead us in communion. But as we do that, I'd like us just to take a moment where we're at and ask the Lord in prayer. Ask the Lord, God, what would you have me to do this week? How would you have me to fast? How much prayer do you want me to give myself to? Would be at lunch, at work, instead of eating, just going away and praying, or whatever it may be. Let's just ask the Lord for that right now. And we'll, we'll wait on God, and then Matt will come and lead us in, in communion.